0: You are listening to Critical Mass, coast-to-coast radio show, a national business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass, coast-to-coast radio show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All those times are West Coast, United States times. Heard exclusively here on internet radio station, octalkradio.net. Spanning the globe with our message of the power of peer learning. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. Critical Mass, coast-to-coast radio show, is brought to you through a partnership of Critical Mass for Business with Renaissance Executive Forums business owners in select markets across the North America. Renaissance Executive Forums is an international organization committed to helping members take their business to the next level. If you would like to learn more about Executive Forums, visit their website, Executive. Forums F-O-U-R-M-S.com. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, of CEOs running middle market firms to improve your decision-making skills. Our first guest is Daryl Pearson. He is principal with PBK Incorporated. Daryl, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me.
1: We're glad to have you. Daryl, could you start the interview by telling us a little bit about your professional background?
2: Certainly. Well, I and our firm, we are a a collection of architects and engineers. We're an architecturally-led firm that serves a variety of different market sectors across the country. We're based in in Texas. Uh, We do work all across the country serving institutional and private corporate commercial clients in a variety of different uh, types of buildings, and we are uh, all about serving our clients well, and we uh, like to profess uh, the importance of what we do for a living, but then also, more importantly, how we serve our clients.
1: Well, you were brought to the attention of Critical Mass Coast Radio Show by our business partner in San Antonio, Peter Broiler, and I want to thank Peter Broiler. Uh, of Renaissance Executive Forums for uh, telling us about you and your firm. As a principal of PBK Incorporated, what is your background that predates that, Daryl? Sure.
2: Um, my, my background, Rick, is in real estate development, architecture, and engineering. So I started my career uh, out of graduate school working in the Northeast in a real estate development division arm of an organization developing my skills in terms of developing real estate, working from an owner's perspective, and then also honing my skills in the architecture and engineering business, moving towards practicing architecture and planning developments and planning facilities for clients, which is what I do currently. I've been doing that for 25 years.
1: Wow. So where in the Northeast did you start out there?
2: I lived in Connecticut, worked uh, all over the Northeast. worked all over the country, for that matter, but worked primarily in New York, in Boston, originally from Texas, Mm. Um, was there for a number of years and made my way back to Texas, which is where I practice today.
1: Smart man. Only because the weather in the Northeast compared to what you get in Texas and San Antonio, Austin area, very different.
2: You won't hear me complain.
1: (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) I understand. You know, being an architect and being in that field, it's one of those professions that the movie industry and television seem to love to portray the professional as. So we have to ask, is it as glamorous as they make it look?
2: Well, we do some wonderful things. We The things we design every day impact the general public, whether it's public or private facilities. The things we do uh, change your experience and influence your experience of how you uh, how you work through the built environment. Most people that go to work every day go to some sort of office building environment people that get an education go to a physical facility and and all those things impact your productivity they impact your daily experiences so that part of what we do is very exciting the results of what we do are, are a, a very exciting part of our business I will say that um, relative to that you're, you're right much of what we do does get glamorized if you if you see it presented in terms of the architects attorneys physicians etc it certainly ranks up their in terms of notoriety when you when you hear the public perception. I will say, though, that it's a profession that takes quite a lo- significant amount of time and a lot of effort and work and grinding to get to a point in the profession where you experience the the, the exciting things that, that come along with our profession. The education is fairly grueling. The pay is very low when you come out of school, and it takes quite a number of years to attain the skills and the level of experience to actually make all those things pay off. So it's a, it's a very challenging profession, extremely rewarding.
1: We're talking with Daryl Pearson. He's principal with PBK Incorporated, and you know, and I appreciate you being on the program. I'm not sure that all of the of our listening audience who are CEOs of middle market firms across North America can appreciate how important the physical space in which they house their employees affects performance creativity communications kind of the joy of going to work but it is a significant factor isn't isn't it daryl how you lay out and think through the physical layout and facilities that you provide for your employees and for your clients
2: no doubt it's it's not just a it's not just a factor for the people that own whether they're public or private institutions that own and manage and maintain facilities that's an important factor from an economics perspective but These buildings are built for people to be housed, to either be productive employees, uh, productive business owners, or especially in an environment where they receive an education. The facility impacts positively or negatively how they experience those things and how productive they actually are. So we, we don't just put buildings up with a tight roof that no water gets in and they provide proper ventilation. We provide facilities that support how people work, how they live, how they learn.
1: I just left a meeting earlier today here in Southern California with one of um, the members of the critical mass business community uh, Liz haddocks her firm is haddock's design and she's a space planner and we were we were she had just moved into a new office, so we were looking at you know how she was able to use her professional talents for her own uh, employees in her own firm and there's really you need to put a lot of thought into the layout because. You know, people on different floors or in different sides of the building. It's funny how that starts to define the culture of the company in some ways. Oh, yeah, those people are upstairs, or you know, they're in the back of the office. It's it's really interesting how we manifest the differences in the physical layouts. If if it's not well thought out,
2: I will tell you, a space planner in particular in our profession is on the front lines of that very concept that I described. They make or break how a space is used. I wrote a I wrote a um, a small booklet, a handbook, and had it copyrighted a number of years ago. It's called the Tenant Development Handbook, and that—that that is exactly what a space planner does. They—they um, they help make sure that, from an efficiency standpoint, they understand that every square foot that a tenant leases or an owner builds costs them money, and if that's not used efficiently, it becomes an economical problem. And if it's not planned efficiently, it—you don't get the benefit out of it in terms of how you use the space. So, space planners really provide a a, a very critical service for what we do as a part of our profession.
1: We're going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show, coast-to-coast version, We, where we interview business executives, middle market CEOs from across North America through our partnership with Renaissance Executive Forums. Our first guest on the show today is Daryl Pearson. He's principal with PBK Incorporated, and he was brought to us through our business partnership with Peter Broiler in Renaissance Executive Forums, San Antonio. We're going to come back for our second segment with Daryl, but first we're going to take a time out for these commercial words.
0: Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box.
3: And since we're talking about CEO peer groups, let's give a shout out to our sponsor for this uh, version of Critical Mass. Renaissance Executive Forums, where CEOs and business owners go each month to take their companies to the next level. Right now, there's over a 1,000 CEOs meeting every month with other CEOs to learn from them and to make better decisions and improve their business overall. So if you want to be part of that group, just visit executiveforums.com. That's executiveforums.com. Welcome back to this
1: edition of Critical Mass Radio Show, Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All shows can be heard live on Internet radio station, octalkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting sites. We're talking with Daryl Pearson. Daryl is the principal at PBK Incorporated, and he was brought to us through our relationship with Peter Broiler. And Daryl, uh, Peter had mentioned to me that I should think to ask you and mention to ask you to share with our audience your guiding principles. And could you share a little bit about your secret guiding principles?
2: I will be glad to do that. The um, the the trademark of our business that we brand internally as well as to our clients, we make it no secret but we call it The Secret. Our goal, we're a collection of highly technically competent people that do what we do professionally every day and very capable, but at the end of the day, we remind our employees and we remind our clients that what separates us and what differentiates us is our passion for and our culture of incomparable service. We remind ourselves that... Although our clients are glad that we're very capable, glad that we're very educated, glad that we're very talented to perform what they need to us for us to perform technically, there are plenty of firms out there and plenty of professionals out there that compete with us that are equally capable to deliver a building that, that has what it needs to function and can meet their program requirements. But we publish, we post at every person's desk, and every person that comes on board learns to memorize and be able to live out what we call the secret, which is the PBK Law of Obsessive Client Service. There are 12 items. It's our creed that we live by. And if you come to work at PBK and if you stay at PBK for any length of time, more than just technically delivering work to clients, you will live our Obsessive Client Service Law and the secret that we, uh, that we live by here at PBK. I'll be glad to take as much or as little time to elaborate on them. But we post them every day. We memorize them, and we live by them.
1: I think it's important the culture of a middle market company. I um, I do a talk. Um, the title of it is "Your Gray Matter Matters," and it's targeted for CEOs of middle market companies. And it really came from the second book I wrote, which was an excerpts uh, a series of excerpts of guiding principles that people on the radio show have shared. What I began to understand is how important the philosophy of the partners, the principal, the the owner is in shaping the value systems, and how how the clients get serviced and supported by the company. For a middle market company, I think that is a great differentiator, is how your employees are, how far along the engagement scale they are. So if you could just look at those 12 elements of the secret could you share a couple that might be universally universally accepted or understood by our audience of CEOs of middle market companies, Darrell?
2: Absolutely, Rick. I could probably share all 12 in a very succinct way. I think it might be beneficial to you and the listeners. Okay. But this is something we live by. You're exactly right. That is what differentiates us. At the end of the day, even in any market, a client could throw a rock and hit half a dozen firms that are as competent as we are and as capable as we are. But we live by, we live by, this law of obsessive client service and number one is you know your real job so do your job in a superior way and remember your coworkers are clients too and know what you do and do it well that's really our minimum cost of entry to do what we do for a living then be a leader we have to be on stay on the top of our game we have to be knowledgeable we've got to show up at meetings with an agenda and we've got to do this meeting minutes the same day and we've got to be prompt and respond to clients And that leads us into the third, which is be responsive. We return clients' calls in less than a minute, and we respond immediately to emails. We don't let anything drag. The fourth would be be a warrior for your client, and we live that every day. We fight for our client. We put their interests at heart before our own, and that is what we live by because that's how we maintain our livelihood. We make our client the hero in every case. We give our client the credit for the successes, and we take all the blame and make it right if something doesn't go well. We stay a friend to our client. We're trustworthy, we're likable, and we are faithful, and that client in turn will be faithful to us. And then one that's very important, we like to make sure that we dress like a leader. Our brand dictates that we are ultra-professional in our appearance, and that's something that we live by. Not, there are many firms that are business casual, and we have business casual days, but for the most part, we have everyone make sure that they dress very nicely and dress like a leader in our environment. And then when you make a mistake that causes a problem, you never make excuses for it. We own up to it. We solve the problem, and we do not make our client bear the cost or the pain of fixing their problems. It's one thing that differentiates us from many people in our industry is we're wrought oftentimes with individuals that run off and hide when there's a problem. That's where we make ourselves shine. Then we treat our client's money as if it's our own. It doesn't matter whether it's a public or a private sector client. Their money is our money, and we treat it that way as if it was coming out of our own pockets. Then a couple more, and then I'll wrap up here. But we make ourselves be the easiest person to do business with. We're agreeable, agreeable, and we always say absolutely, and we will take care of it. And we like to always tell a client, yes, and now what's your question? Mm. That's something we live by every day. We take immediate ownership of our client's problems. We don't wait for them to ask. If we see something, we point it out, and we solve it. And then lastly, we never settle for simply just satisfying our client. We stay on top of our game by constantly inventing ways to over-impress and exceed our clients' expectations. That's the last of those 12, and it's very important. I think oftentimes we measure ourselves on are we keeping our clients happy. Well, everybody strives to keep their clients happy because we want to stay in business. You have to invent ways to impress your clients in ways they never even thought of.
1: Daryl, that that is a very thoughtful list, and uh, you know, I um, I want to respond to just two of them. One is, I agree with you on point twelve. Customer, a satisfied customer does not mean a customer who is loyal and who won't switch. I mean, it's almost th- there. There are studies and r- reports that show customer satisfaction isn't enough to ensure longevity with that client you do have to go above and beyond as you used words of delight and etc and, and i think that's great that you remind your company and live by that um and and, and i wanted to kind of kind of mention that because uh, many people think well if they're not complaining they must be happy and if they're happy they must be going to stay with us right not true exactly
2: not not true a satisfied client we we remind ourselves of this, means we met the minimum requirements to take care of what they needed done. That isn't a client that's ecstatic and going to run back to you. That's a client that feels like you just did a good job for them.
1: Right, I'm not dissatisfied.
2: That does not differentiate you.
1: Yeah, that's the middle ground. I'm not unhappy with them, but I'm also not on fire in love with them, and I'm certainly not an advocate client for them. And we the, do
2: that in our own personal lives. If we look at how we make decisions to hire plumbers or to hire electricians or to hire somebody to come fix a leak on your roof at your home, we respond the same way. We're humans. and In a professional environment, we have to remind ourselves of that if we want to grow and make a company successful.
1: And then I'm speaking with Daryl Pearson. He is principal at PBK Incorporated. You know, And the other one that I wanted to comment on I wrote down here as you were speaking is that the, Having when a mistake is made, admitting that the mistake was made, because I have found that customers, anecdotally, even if a, if a mistake is made, um, and the and the the client expresses that to the to you, and you solve it, if there isn't ownership for it, they almost have a, a a sense of you know yeah they fixed it, but they never really took responsibility for it. it it's very important in my experience that companies are willing to add, uh, own up to the fact that yes that went wrong because many times companies are either don't empower the line people to take responsibility or people fear if i take responsibility for that that may lead to further punitive damages or some other thing that's going to happen from the client it's just better just to kind of let that be the 800 pound gorilla as long as i fix the problem but i think your uh, one of your principles of having your people admit to it is really a powerful idea
2: I like to say that problems that we create is just like bad news. They don't get better with age. They're just like any other thing that happens in life. We've got to take care of it. And not that we want to create our own problems, but I will tell you some of our best success stories in terms of client loyalty and longevity and retention have to do with where we made mistakes and where we rectified them immediately and very successfully. If you want to satisfy a client, stumble and then recover from it. That's above almost everything else will endear them to you
1: I completely agree that's the story they tell when they're using when they're becoming a referral source for you I think you're absolutely right so while you don't want to intentionally uh, wound your customer it is certainly an opportunity to shape reshape the relationship in a way that's even more powerful than it was beforehand uh, Daryl if someone would like to learn more about your firm or you how do they find you online?
2: No, No problem at all They could go to www.pbk.com. There they could learn everything about what we do comprehensively. They could learn about our passion for performance and how we serve our clients and then learn about everything that we do professionally in terms of the services that we provide.
1: Well, Daryl Pearson principal at pbk incorporated uh on behalf of peter borler of renaissance executive forums and critical mass and the critical mass coast coast radio show i want to thank you for being a friend of our program and welcome to our business community
2: thank you feel free to reach out to me at any time
1: we will have a good day all right thank you bye All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our first guest. As I said, Daryl Pearson, principal at PBK Incorporated. We're going to take a short commercial timeout, and our second guest, Steve Winston, who is CEO and founder of The Payments Company, will be on the radio show when we return after these words from our commercial sponsors. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on a radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. We delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions last month. To learn more, contact Rose Chamora at 951-515-4661. Let me give you that number again. Rose Chamorra at 951-515-4661. All right, as I promised you before the break, our second guest is ready. Steve Winston, who is CEO and founder of The Payments Company, who is brought to us by our Renaissance partner, Joe Carey. Uh, Steve, welcome to the radio program. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Let's start very simply, Steve. Tell the audience, help us to understand a little bit about your professional background, kind of your path to the payments company.
5: Sure. So, roughly 25 years in commercial banking, uh, picked up a lot of payments experience, worked with National Automated House and... Uh, electronic payments and setting up rules, running a different operations, starting payments um, products for companies and always wanted to start my own company and after 25 years realized that I had either two paths stay with a, a big commercial firm, uh, which at the time was Capital One. Uh, or go ahead and, and try to do something else. So I did a, a one-year stint with a, a bill payment company to help them out and uh, then I was on my own and um, I essentially sought out a, a small software development company, started running some, some sample software solutions for payments, uh, most of which didn't get any traction and then uh, finally hit one that stuck and that's uh, ultimately what became the payments company.
1: Okay, so you're a technology-based, uh, a company that's based on some technology then. So we're going to, that, that, that's my assumption based on how you answered that. And I, I mm-hmm. want to ask you if you could give us a little bit more information. Here's what I'd like to know. What specifically do you do for your clients and why do they do business with you? In other words, why and how are you differentiated from others in your space?
5: sure so we're, we target primarily middle market companies the middle market for us is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 300 million in revenue but it really depends on how many payments a, a, a company or an organization and I say organization because we also market to private colleges and schools but um, essentially we're uh, it depends on how many payments they're making out of their accounts payable process. So what we actually do is um, instead of a company uh, issuing checks to their vendors or to their employees for expense reimbursements, we help them move to electronic payments. And we do that uh, uniquely in that we we sort of combine m- multiple banking so- solutions or products into one, and what we'll We'll do is we'll offer the ability to pay with a virtual visa, with an automated direct deposit, ACH, or we'll even issue checks if if the vendor uh, of our client um, you know doesn't want to accept electronic. And what we do is we handle all of the the workload, everything from enrolling the vendors, to doing the research, determining what. Uh, payment types the vendors will accept we do all the payment processing we do the reconcilement and then because we pay with Visa is one of the uh, payment alternatives we pay cash rebates back so mm. uh, we don't have any clients that uh, that pay us the rebates are typically seven to ten times the transaction fees that we would charge. so what they get out of air solution is they get, uh, they get away from having to print, reco- print mail, reconcile, handle checks. Their vendors uh, can get paid electronically. We deliver all the information. They don't have to invest anything. They don't have to change their accounts payable process. We essentially take over that processing for them, provide uh, uh, a, a nice user interface. We have our own um, user interface. Uh, it's a cloud-based solution. And uh, we also own our own payments network. So we go out, we have 40,000 vendors that uh, we have in our network now.
1: That is quite impressive. What, what was the inspiration, Steve, for you to see this opportunity in the market and then create the solution that you are implementing?
5: So, you know, having worked in the payment space for a long time, you know, it allowed me to see what uh, was missing, what the banks weren't offering uh, to their clients. And, um, you know, banks typically uh, will deliver, you know, really solid uh, cash management solutions to the Fortune 500 or maybe even the Fortune 1000 uh, companies. But once they get below that, uh, they typically – they don't market to that group as much. It doesn't mean they don't have solutions, but uh, they don't typically market to that group. And uh, the other big thing was that, you know, the banking network in the U.S. really has not solidified a way to move uh, dollars with information for, uh, for companies to pay other businesses. And uh, that's something that... Um, you know we've capitalized on we've uh, figured out how to deliver the information in a way that the vendor uh, wants to get it it could be a fax an email or just delivering it to a portal and then we process the payment at the same time and uh, that way the the vendor has all the information needed to to apply the payment to accounts receivable because when when you look at the difference between business payments and consumer payments most consumer payments are, you know, you paying two hundred dollars to pay your your cable bill or your uh, power bill. But when you get business to business payments, you can have you know hundreds or even thousands of invoices that you're paying, and you have to be able to deliver the information uh, at the same time or at least in conjunction with the money and the banking system. Uh, has a way to do that, It has a way to send it, but it, if the other party hasn't signed up for a similar service to receive that information, then uh, it sort of gets lost. And that's why you still have 60 to 70% of business-to-business payments still going via check in the U.S., where you have a much higher percentage going electronic uh, on the consumer side.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I'd, I'd like to sit on that point for a minute and, and um, kind of ask you your professional kind of opinion. It sounds like in how you're describing the accounts receivable and the accounts payable action in a company that that, that it's a, it's an inefficient process to do the reconciliation many times when you have that many transactions. And if it is, in fact, true, then my assumption is there's it's prone to errors, or at least a lot of time to verify that the errors haven't been made. Is that a fair appraisal from what I heard you say?
5: Well, I think that's true. I mean, checks. Uh, if you look at the payable side, uh, you know, by nature or by um, by process, you know, checks um, are the the riskiest of payments. So you can have um, you can have all types of fraud uh, on checks. Uh, you can the check you know can get lost in the mail you've got a delay in delivering uh the checks uh just by the fact that you have to mail them uh so it, it really becomes more of an issue of not just efficiency but fraud reduction uh you know a confidence in the fact that you know if you send an electronic payment you've got a much better chance of that payment getting to the receiving party in the, in a more timely manner, and and just getting there. Period. Uh, on the receive side, you're you're right on target when you say uh, you know it's inefficient, uh, and that is because there is no network standard per se of how to move uh, dollars and information electronically. What happens is on the receiving side, most of them are most payments are posted manually and. Right. The only ones that are really getting posted electronically are those companies that have the money to invest in a solution or maybe to pay their bank to possibly key in some of that information, deliver it to them in an electronic way because uh, when you, obviously when you're, you're posting or delivering information electronically versus manually keying it in, your margin for error is going to be much lower.
1: Yes, the less people you can have touching a transaction, uh, the not that not the people are the problem, but it just opens it up for training issues and mistakes. And then, and, and you're dealing with some a very important topic, which is cash management as well for a company, aren't you? The yeah, absolutely accounts payable, accounts receivable. That's that's the lifeblood of your cash flow operations in a business. Absolutely. You know, Joe Carey, who is our business partner in Virginia, who brought you and your firm to our attention here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast radio show, said that uh, your firm also helps middle market companies customize their data storage and and kind of management of their e-payment programs. I I was wondering if we could spend a couple minutes talking about that. I do need to take a commercial break, Steve, but can we talk about that when we come back from break?
5: Absolutely. That'll be perfect because the cleaning crew just showed up in my office, and I'm going to shut my door. Okay.
1: So there you go, live radio, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. We'll be back with Steve Winston, who is the CEO and founder of the payments company, after these words from our commercial sponsors.
6: There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else, and that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs, and it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News & World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up.
4: This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use ENERGY STAR light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council.
1: And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 11,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on radio station octalkradio.net. Or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting sites. Steve Winston, sorry, Steve, I know that. Steve Winston, CEO and founder of the payments company, is our guest. Before the break, Steve, I said I was going to ask you to tell us a little bit about how your firm is helping middle market companies to customize their data storage and manage their e-payment programs. Would you do that at this time, please?
5: Sure. So from a data storage standpoint, we're we're not really uh, in the data storage business, but what we do is we provide, um, you know, everything that a a midsize organization needs for an e-payments program. So, so for example, if you want to pay a vendor with uh, uh, ACH, for example, which is the same as direct deposit where you get, you get your payroll. So we're sending an electronic transaction to the vendor's bank. They provide the bank account information. And um, typically how that's done for a a company uh, that doesn't have a service uh, like ours is they have to go out and send a paper form, authorization form, to all of their vendors to try to get them enrolled Uh, in electronic payments. And a lot of companies don't want to give out their bank account information to just anyone. Uh, It's just a very difficult, tedious process. And what we do for them is, as part of the enrollment, if they won't take a virtual visa, then we'll try to enroll them in ACH. And that's uh, a large portion of what our solution is, because there are only going to be a certain percentage, let's say it's 25%, of the vendors out there that are willing to take Visa, so you don't want to leave 75% uh, in the check bucket. So what we do is we try to convert as many of those as we can. We target 75% overall electronic, so that means we need to get another 50% ACH. And the way that we, we help in that process is, you know, we contact the vendor. We, they say they, they want to uh, accept uh, an ACH or direct deposit into their bank account. We send them an email. It, um, it has a link directly into our uh, secure network. They put in their bank account information, sign them electronic form, and they're done. And from that point on, instead of getting a check from our client, they're going to get paid electronically. So they're going to get it faster. They're going to get it within one business day. And uh, they're also going to get all of the details uh, emailed to them uh, in advance that uh, tell them exactly what goes with that payment. And a lot of companies, especially government entities, and uh, you know, don't like to have to store all of that account information because then it creates risk on their side. Uh, from a compliance standpoint, uh, they just don't want that responsibility. And by enrolling in a network, then we uh, we only have to have that vendor sign up one time, and then any other client that we have that pays them. Um, they can get paid through our network versus having to fill out a form for every single company that that's sending you money. So maintaining payment instructions is one way that we uh, that we really help uh, in that space. And then also our user interface uh, basically is a complete history of every payment uh, that is made through us. and um, our clients use it for research audit purposes they can go in they can look up a particular uh, vendor see how, how many payments they've made they can they can look at the details of each payment they can see what file it went out on uh, They can even search on an invoice so most of our clients actually use our system to research if, if a company calls in questioning a payment versus using their own uh, accounting software
1: that would make sense too because it's all in one place it's probably easy to print off i mean i as you're explaining it i'm just thinking of how it would be if you were using a paper system and it's a it's night and day different that's correct all right let me ask you another question um joe had mentioned that you provide business consulting i'm wondering how do you how does your firm how does the payments company and I'm speaking with Steve Winston, who is the CEO and founder of that firm, how do you help middle market companies relative to your consulting side of the business?
5: so on the on the consulting side um, a lot of it is based on you know strategy as it relates to payments. so even though we focus mainly on business to business payments, a lot of times we have uh, clients that have uh, concerns or they have uh, needs in the uh, you know consumer collection uh, payment space, um, just how to even get started in, in doing a payments program because most businesses or many businesses, I should say, uh, not only have payables but they also have uh, receivables and a lot of it's about education because uh, most companies don't Uh, especially especially middle market companies don't have a luxury of hiring payments experts. They don't have big treasury management staff and uh, what we do is we'll go in and we'll sort of assess their entire program, get uh, an understanding of what they're trying to accomplish, where where their needs are and then we'll go back and make recommendations and and sometimes those recommendations apply to what we're offering. Uh, Other times it's just uh, hey, you, know, you might want to go talk to these uh, specific vendors, and here's where you get the biggest bang for your buck. But you know, most of it is really in the education uh, space around compliance, understanding what you know, whether you should insource or outsource uh, payments or, or which part, uh, what parts of the payment process you should consider keeping in-house and, and really kind of guiding them in, in making decisions.
1: We have about three minutes left here on this version of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. Our guest is Steve Winston. He is CEO and founder of the Payments Company. And you know, I know that you, with with your vast experience, I'm wondering if you could tell us, you know, from the lessons that you've learned, do you have a, a guiding principle, an overarching philosophy or belief system, Steve, that's helping you to lead and grow the Payments Company?
5: So I do. You know I, I, you know, I founded the company four years ago, really had no prior experience in, in starting a business. I've learned a lot about, you know, all aspects from, you know, how to structure a company to taxes to uh, technology and phone systems and software. But, you know, our guiding principle is really around uh, transparency. So we, we, we um, you know, we pitch our, our solution, but you know we don't o- oversell it. You know we tell. Um, you know our goal is to try to get uh, what's best uh, for uh, the company, whether we're doing consulting or we're pitching our service. And uh, you know we tell them what we're good at, what uh, uh, what we're not so good at, or how to how to pair things together. But uh, we've taken that principle of of transparency and applied it all the way across our company. So everything from dealing with internal problems, uh, you know, really just the open, honest communication. And uh, as you know in business, communication can always be an an issue. And it's not just big companies. It's, uh, you know, we're 22 employees, and uh, we have to deal with communication issues all the time. And uh, so we try to have a lot of interaction, try to really be uh, transparent in everything that we do, uh, you you put if you've got a problem, you own it, you put you put it out there, you talk to the client or you talk to the vendor, you try to come up with a solution, and uh, so far it's working.
1: So if someone would like, thank you for sharing that. and if someone would like to learn more about you and your firm, Steve, how do they do that?
5: Uh, so a couple of ways. Uh, we have our web website is www.vthepaymentscompany.com. payments company dot com and uh, they could certainly email me direct at uh, steve at uh, thepaymentscompany.com. Uh, but if you Google us, we'll, we'll show up uh, as well, Payments Company, uh, not too difficult to find.
1: Steve Winston, CEO and founder of The Payments Company, I would like to thank you for being a guest on a program. I want to thank Joe Carey from Renaissance Executive Forums for suggesting you as a guest. I've thoroughly enjoyed learning about your business and the way that you're really helping middle market companies to make this accounts payable, accounts receivable process more streamlined, more efficient, and it sounds like saving a ton of money while getting your money a lot more quickly, which, I mean, there's just tons of benefits to that. Thank you for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Renaissance Executive Forums community.
5: All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed listening to both of our guests today who uh, shared with you ideas that hopefully will help you to improve your decision-making skills. I I would like to thank our business partners at Renaissance Executive Forums for bringing the guests to us today as well. Renaissance Executive Forums is an international organization committed to helping members take their businesses to the next level. If you'd like to learn more about Renaissance Executive Forums, will visit their website, Executive Forums, which is spelled F-O-R-U-M-S, Dot com. This show is brought you, brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club, a part of Club Corp. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Social media manager is Asia Celestino. Our live events coordinator is Melissa Padani. And our vice president of sales is Rose Chamara. I'm Rick Franzi, your host. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest or possibly advertise, please visit our website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction.
0: You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show, business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.